Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hotcast. I am your host, uh, managing editor. One of these days, I'll get it right without pausing. Managing editor for Hot Time and Old Town, Ruben Tish. And joining me, as always, is RJ. And RJ, we got two games to talk about, sort of. One of which gave us a bit of hope, and then the other ended the season. Um, Did it really... Do we- yeah. One hope though. Let's let's be honest though. Oh, and and by the way, go fire. I, I hope I um I hope I'm speaking loudly enough this time. But I read all the comments. But um, besides that, um, let's be real. Did did that game against Miami give anyone a shred of hope? Not for the playoffs. But I mean, as like. Because I don't think they were making the playoffs regardless if they win all four of those games. But for me, as far as, like, showing me something, ending the season on a upswing with some momentum for 2023, it kind of did. Um, And so did the Montreal game, sort of. I'm actually... You know, they they play themselves essentially out of the playoff situation against Montreal, but with the loss, but not looking at the scoreboard and and sort of thinking about how the game sort of advanced, um, I was pretty pleased with the performances of the guys who you need to be pleased with performances. And what I mean by that is I'm not really looking at Boris Sekulic and how well or how not well he's playing. I'm not looking at Jonathan Bornstein or Fade Navarro because I don't really need to see him. Like, we know he's going to play hard and play well all the time. But, like, Brian Gutierrez, John Duran, Carlos Tehran. Uh, Miguel Navarro, as as far as those guys go, I need to see them play well consistently. And I think we're starting to see some of that, and that's encouraging me. As a Fire fan who is starting to think about what's next. You know, that Montreal game was awful. For both teams, though. It it was. Neither team played well. But my biggest takeaway for the Montreal game, and, you know, the the players, they have, you know, they have their, their part in all this, but this shows true Ezra Ball in a sense where he can get the best out of whatever squad that he has at his disposal. And let's be real, you know, the fire wouldn't be in this situation right now if the fire had, you know, a competent transfer window. But considering what Ezra has in his hands, he was like, he was able to get something out of the squad from these past two games. And I think that shows 
a bright future, at least for Ezra. And just imagine what Ezra could do with proper backing. Because if he can get this much out of, you know, certain players like Andre Reynolds, like he, he's been... He, he was really the good best. in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he I mean, still I was happy with, I, I was happy with how he played though. Like I'm not like I'm not oh he played bad, he you know. Um he played out of position on the wrong side of the field and still performed. Mhm. So Ezra was able to get I mean like, like I said though he, he it wasn't bad, it wasn't good, but he performed adequately and you know Ezra was able to squeeze that out of him and that shows that you know, Ezra has that coaching knowledge. And just mm-hmm. imagine, just imagine if, you know, Heights had properly backed the man. I don't think Sapphire would be in that situation right now. So in hindsight, in in hindsight, we can, we feel like Ezra cheapened out by using his, by, by filling his depth with uh, academy players who, maybe we're a season or two away from um, playing at a MLS level, right? Like, like what we've seen from Alex Mones and Sergio Orihal and uh, Victor Bezerra um, and, and, and to a lesser extent, Casas, I've actually been sort of impressed with how Javier Casas has shown himself when he's been given some time. Um, they're not really ready for first team football. Um, and they really screwed themselves with a lot of overpriced top end deals. So they didn't have enough cap space to fill out the roster is, is essentially what, you know, this belated, time and you know too little too late for it to say anything about it and, and whatever but that's sort of what happened in the offseason right he got his big names in shakiri and razvan kochic which i who i who i would think in any other year would be a shoo-in for newcomer of the year um but you know, because he's he's been one of the best signings in MLS by far. Rosvan, um, yeah, or not Rosvan? We, we were talking. Wait, for a moment, Rafael like, Rosvan, Chico. Chico. I mean... <laughs> You knew who I was talking about. Everybody knew who I was talking about. No, I was no, actually I was... thinking because I was thinking about the midfield, and I was thinking about like really good firemen. Like, like I, fire I was I was deeply concerned because it's like, wait, is this twenty? 14, 2016, all over again. Did, did yeah, the fire traveled back in time? He was really good and he was really nice. He was a nice guy to interview. Coachish was. Uh, but uh, I mean, I mean, um, Rafael Shihos. So I'm leaving that in. I'm leaving my embarrassment in. Um, but yeah, right. Rafael Shihos should be like MLS newcomer of the year, right? Or at least in the conversation. Um, but you know, Shakiri, at least in year one, is not living up to his contract. The Gaston Jimenez deal, um, was unfortunate. Um, 
he's played well enough. Like he's a very good MLS player, but you don't pay designated player money for a position where you can get good players on TAM deals. Players maybe a little worse, but you know, you could find a player at his level for a TAM deal. Like you don't need to waste a DP spot on a six eight hybrid. And um you know, um Shibilko? No, I was actually thinking about um Shibilko's interesting because I still think that was a good move at the time they made it. It just hasn't worked out. I still think after you know, Casper Shibilko is you know, when they signed him, if he's on the market, that's a no brainer, snatch him up. You know what I mean? So like like the Shabilko deal is is different in that respect. Um I was actually I was actually going to talk about Jairo Torres who just can't stay healthy. Um cuz he's a young designated player. So um and they actually did get more production out of Ignacio Aliceta than Jairo Torres even though they both can't stay healthy, and he's uh, Alisada just um, can't stay fit for Lugano. So they're sort of the same in that respect. They, there was no upgrade really in year one. I still have hope for Torres and uh, Shakiri in year two. Um, but you know, like his bet, like if you think about his best, like. Um, George Heights's best move, and we will talk about him a lot over these next three to four shows we have left in the season. Um, I think George Heights's best moves have been identifying and signing young players. So I think he's still a valuable part of the organization. He just shouldn't be the main guy building your roster i think we've uh i think we've touched upon that uh countless times in previous episodes and oh and we're going to talk I've, a lot more I've, about I've, it I've, a lot more in depth like. I've, I've even said you know nelson rodriguez he's he's not a good person i'm pretty sure he is you know as a as a as a person but you know as an mls executive He's, he's not very good. He's he's right. terrible. But there's one good thing about him. He knew the league in and out. He knew the rules in and mm-hmm. out. Man, you don't like, you don't like if you think about Nelson Rodriguez sort of in you know ML like Dax McCarty. Mm-hmm. You know that's a really good deal. Um, he just he he wasn't good at the executive part, but he was good. if if you combine George Heights. And Nelson Rodriguez into like one general manager. I think you sort of end up with like Gareth Lagerway. And I don't know how the confidence vote went or is going for him with the Sounders. Uh, but I mean, the Sounders—they're—they're they're in a weird place right now. I—I've—I've uh, I've, you know, totally said this in my. Uh, in my MLS recaps, but I honestly do think they sold their soul for continental glory. But um, no, but they're like Heights. 
heights can stay as long as there's someone there to keep him in check. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think there needs to be that Nelson Rodriguez type of of person. You know, not, not as you know, not as Nelson Rodriguez, but at least the knowledge of Nelson Rodriguez, that the a person who knows, you know, this league in and out. And I think you know, I, I actually do think the fire could attract some someone like him or her. Well, they're they're so um. Let's go back where if I can find the transfer market page. I was looking at um their expiring contact. The the problem is that they only have like six expiring contracts. Uh, going into next season. Uh, let me pull up the transfer mic markets. I think one of them is Sekulich, the other one. One of them is Sekulich, and that would I, that's why that's why at the beginning of the show I said I'm not really watching him because I do not expect Boris Sekulich to be back at the end of the season. Um, I uh, do think that um, another one is Borns. I think Bornstein will come back. I I, I do think Omsberg will also obviously Sonny well. is gone, right? Um, so there, there, are five, there are four contracts. Two of them have club options. Uh, Olmsberg and Andre. I expect both of those options to be picked up. Um, because I think Wyatt Olmsberg has played played well enough while he was healthy to be your starting center back. Um, and so is Carlos Tehran. So I think going into camp and beyond next season. Um they have a uh, pretty good um, tandem in in those two fighting for the position of playing next to Shihos. Um, obviously, Ante Reynolds should be back. He's got a club option and is a homegrown player still. That's his homegrown contract. So he doesn't account against the salary cap. So there's literally no downside to bringing him back. Um, I honestly think Sekulich is probably gone at the end of the year. Um, and so, like, the first point of emphasis would be replacing him at center at uh, right back. Unless they don't think they can get a... Um, good enough player at right back to replace him. And I don't know what the MLS free agent market looks like yet. Obviously, we'll find out after the season's over. Um, but I think right back, he's, he's also one of the older players at 30 who isn't exactly a locker room leader like Bornstein is. Because if you keep Jonathan Bornstein, you're basically keeping him on as a player coach, right? Um, so I, I think the, I think the only player they cut or they don't bring back is Sekulich going into next season. So you're looking at a right back upgrade. Um, that should be first priority and your homework over the winter is figuring out right backs for the fire to sign. I'll talk to you in December about it. Um, oh, I'm, not, I'm not George Heights. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, 
the, the, the thing is with Ryback, I honestly do hope that they're going to get an established veteran, whether if it's MLS, whether, you know, it's for me. Or maybe they just say fuck it and play a back three. Well, yeah, there's that too. But I, I don't want Heights to sign some kid from Estonia or, or Burkina Faso as a right back. That's, I mean, I'm pretty sure in the future that that kid can blossom into the best right back in the world. But what for, about for something? A place like, what about a football power? Like Argentina or Brazil, or like, no, just just sign, just sign a veteran. Spain or England, or America. No, no, I didn't think no. so either. No, 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 no. You gotta be just, honest. Just, I didn't think so either. No, no, no. Just no. Yeah, you need a you. you uh, if you can find a veteran center back, uh, right back, uh, who's better than Boris Sekulich, I'd do it. Um, but you know, basically the point we're making here is this team is kind of set for 2023. Um, so in a coming back full circle to the games last weekend, I was essentially watching uh, what you want to see is a momentum upswing for next year, because this is basically going to be. The salt 2023 is going to be the salty run back for 2022. And we'll see if the coaching improves, what happens in the striker position, um, if Shabilko can 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 find it again, or if you know John Duran continues to improve. Um, if Shakiri can final focus on his club soccer after the World Cup. Um, that, that, that's probably a big distraction at the moment for him. Um, and, and so, you know, guys like, um, Andre Reynolds, as much as I love the player, Miguel Navarro has become Andre Reynolds, maybe gives him a run at the starting job next season, or at least if he doesn't, they can platoon them better. So they're not you know, moving back and forth between each other, or you don't pick up Andre Reynolds option, which wouldn't be, which would make a lot of people upset in the fan base. But I would like to point out that they did the same with Victor Pineda and look how Mauricio Pineda turned out comparing Andre to Justin. And I do think Justin is ultimately going to be the better player than Andre. You know, I I think if this club is serious, I think they would still extend Andre Reynolds mainly as a backup, and I, I think you know the the very serious backup. Has, yeah. Has, yeah, I agree. With and, you. And he's turned he's turned in this season to be a very good depth piece to have. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do agree with you. And, and and that's what good you know soccer teams need. They they just need a good you know they just need a good reserve team. They need a good backup, and mm-hmm. I, I think especially. You know, I, I really don't want to talk about 2023 yet, but, you know, here we are. I mean, we've been talking about 2023 for a while now, but, you know, if, if the Fire want to make not, a run... Yeah. I was going to say not this explicitly. Yeah. But, yeah, if, if the Fire want to make a run and any sort of silverware next season, the U.S. Open Cup is their best bet in the U.S. Open Cup. 
you know, instead of playing the kids like earlier, you know, against Omaha, just play your reserves and your first team reserves. You know, folks like Andre, folks like Bezerra. Well, well, they did, they play did against but they did play. They, they did Omaha. play against Omaha, but a majority of that team was, you know, kids. Has played a majority of their games in, at, for Fire 2 this year. Yeah. yeah. You, you know what I mean, though, right? Just, yeah. You need that death. You need that, you know, rotation. And I, I do think the Fire, I, I don't want to say anything yet, but if they address all these pieces, if they address all these needs, I know someone from the front office is listening to us, so please pass this along to Heights. Um, just, just find some, just find some suitable death. That's it. Some find MLS some veterans need to come in. Yeah. Um, Tactics, it's fine. It it actually yeah, is so fine. I, I do agree with you. I think like, I think Ezra's done a pretty good job, actually. Like Ezra Ball is blossoming into something really special. And like what I said earlier in the episode, if he can get a lot from, you know, a lot of these players who aren't technically up there yet, then just imagine if you've, you know, if you've finally given him the, like the pieces to this puzzle, like he, I think, you know, he's going to be a world-class coach, whether if it's going to be here in Chicago or elsewhere after Chicago, it's, I honestly do think, and I mean this sincerely, that he's going to be world-class coach. I think the big thing is the defense um, coming into this season. I think, yeah, we know the offense is bad. Um, I think their approach to building their attack has been flawed. Um. Their approach, you know, being basically put a bunch of good players together and hope they figure it out. That's basically been the attack. Um, But I think Ezra's job day one was to figure out how to make the defense solid and, and not, you know, be the reason why you look at this team and say they're bad. And they've done that essentially with, you know, 12 clean sheets. They've basically been in every game except the four, one loss to Atlanta. Right. So they, they've been largely competitive all year. Um, there were a couple problems, but like bringing in Shehos and having, Gagas, Lonina, and Nett um, combined with the better play of Olmsberg and Tehran and um, the improvement of Navarro, especially, who's had a really big improvement from... Because remember, you know, back in, like, April and May, we were questioning whether he should be benched for Bornstein? Like, at the beginning of the season, I had Jonathan Bornstein as my top left back on the depth chart. Uh, and now it's Miguel Navarro. He's he's proven himself to be good this year. So I think that a lot of those improvements can be attributed to the coaching staff and the development of these young players into an MLS quality defense. If the fire had scored more goals this year, they'd make the playoffs true. 
But really, the success of the foundation that they've building, the the solid structure of their foundation, uh, I think does come through, especially in games against, um, you know, the Inter Miamis of the world, who really do have a dynamic attack at times. And you just don't let them do anything. I mean, you know, talk about that to the the goals they gave up against Montreal. Um, the what first one, the the first one was just Kai Kamara being Kai Kamara weird. Because remember, he scuffed a wide open chance in front of an open net earlier in that game. And then he scores a goal, like a, a back heel flick like that or whatever. Like, like that's just Kai Kamara, you know, bottling an easy goal and then scoring a ridiculous, extremely difficult 9 out of 10 difficulty goal, right? Kai Kamara does that. Um, the second goal was playing a player in a spot where he shouldn't be playing and Jonathan Bornstein at central defender. He's just too old to play there, I think. Uh he doesn't have the athleticism to play there and and you sort of saw that. Um and then the the third goal um was interesting because the fire defense was kind of forked <coughs> because um on the third goal if you close down that pass, then they just kick it wide to a wide open, I forget who is out there, but a wide open player who just floats in across and they score anyway. So the fire were kind of forked. You know, you close out, goes wide, ball comes in. Or you back off and let the cross come in from a worse angle in some respects. Uh, and they did that and they got beat on the third goal. So, Honestly, though, I mean, Montreal is just a very good team. Well, that too. And, you know, I think the fire did the best. I mean, it was really it, like it was it was really it was ugly, game, but yeah. they they did the best. That they it also kind of puts the Bears win in perspective a little bit. Because they were in very similar conditions. Oh, yes. Your future Arlington Heights Bears. Again, so... Go Bears. I don't care if they're playing Arlington Heights. They're still the Bears. Shut up. I, um, I mean, the Jags are going to come up to Soldier Field. Let's talk about John Duran for a second. Um, because I want to to ask you if you think he's your number one striker at this point. You know, he he was my man of the match. He was he won his his abilities in the striker dark arts are very good. Uh, he knew exactly like on the first penalty, he saw the goalkeeper coming out, so he's gonna flip the ball by him and then get run into. And get the penalty called. And the second one, he just annoyed his defender so much that he shoved him over for no reason away from the play. So, like, 
what do you think of him? Do you think he's the number one going into next year? Can Casper Shabilko do anything? Like maybe he scores ten goals in the four preseason games or whatever against Fort Lauderdale strikers. But no, yeah. I, I I still believe in a Shabilko redemption arc. But I also do believe I, I'll, you know, I'll eat crow and Duran. You know, if you've listened to our earlier episodes, I was hard on him for good reason though. Um, but. It's it's hard. I, I think if there is a way where they can rotate both Shabilko and Duran. Playing both at the same time even in a three five. Either you know, play yeah, either at the same time, then you know, I'm all for it because the the times are the few times and you know, Duran and Shabilko did play together, you know, it was it was pretty amazing stuff. I, mm-hmm. I totally agree I with you. Cut my mouth, but um it's it's hard, and, and and that's I guess that's the good thing about the striker position. I mean, yes, right now it's it's bad, but you know, once they're on, you know, continues to I guess grow up in this league, for lack of a better word. Can you know mm-hmm. once he realizes what he can pull off, what he can do, and then you know once Shabilko gets back to his you know old habits again. Then the fire legitimately have a dangerous duo, mm-hmm. and you know that, that's a good thing to have. So r- right now, I don't want to say Duran should be number one because I still have my reserves on him, and I also do still believe in the Shabilka redemption arc. But I think if if you know Ezra can find a way to work, you know, with both of them, whether mm-hmm. like like what you said, playing together or as a rotation, then you know I'm all for it. I I think you know, a number one striker for the time being, for the fire for the time being isn't in the cards. That's that's just my opinion. Uh, They also, by the way, have Victor Bezerra and Josh Penn at Chicago Fire 2, who have put up some pretty good numbers. Um, As far as, as, you know, um, Bezerra's got uh, eight goals on 29 shots. Uh, and, or seven goals on 29. Uh, or, yeah, eight goals, 29 shots. Josh Penn has seven goals on uh, 53 shots. And by the way, uh, Misael Rodriguez is uh, third... In goals, and he was on the bench. He probably needs another year to cook. Uh, Sergio Orahel is leading Fire Two in assists. Um, and Omari Glasgow, who, by the way, is the the two lasting transfers, I think, who are going to make the most impact on this team from George Heinz's tenure, are John Duran and Omari Glasgow. I think those two signings are probably the two signings that are going to make or break the success of the fire in the 2020s. You think he sports Rangers or Celtic? That's the bigger question. <laughs> Hearts of Midlothian. Okay. Fair enough. Um, um, yeah. 
Uh, let's see. Any other notes from Miami and um, Montreal that you can think of? You know, we're 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 sort of coming down to the end of Gaga Slendina's time with the Fire and MLS. I don't think he gets loaned back here unless there's something really wonky with the Chelsea with with visas and stuff because we know that's kind of an issue. I'm going to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's a decent shot. He starts... Um, January 7th in Chelsea's third round FA Cup match. You know, I, I, I'd put it at about 40% at this point, but I think there's a shot he starts there. I, hopefully, I, I personally, I, I don't have a, you know, Premier League team to root for. I, I enjoy all Premier League matches. However, I do not rate Graham Potter. I really don't. I think he's a bum. You think he's, but he's gotten Brighton of all teams, you know, in the top half. <laughs> this isn't a Premier League podcast, so I'll, uh, well, we're maybe... talking about Gaga Slanina, right? So yeah, but it, it makes he's, sense. he's. I don't want to go into it. I'm just going to go on a tangent, but I. Do you think I, that he's that that um. He's not a Graham Potter signing is going to hurt him. No. I do think that Graham Potter's way of football will affect, you know, not not only Slonina, but you know, also their back line. But 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 besides that point, you know, if 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 he doesn't start, you know, the FA Cup matches or um the Carabao Cup, I, I do think, you know, if Chelsea had any sense, which sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but I think they should loan them loan them out to a mid table prem club or a um upper level championships club or even you know the bundesliga i i'd hate I'd hate to see you know Slonina you know rot on the bench only making the certain cameo during f a cups during Carabao cups until you know twenty 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 four twenty twenty five um mm-hmm. i I honestly do think and it doesn't have to be the fire you know. I I think he is good enough for, you know, mid table prom or, you know, a higher table championship or, you know, even some t- even some teams in the the Bundesliga. Um, the upper level of the Bundesliga. And I also do think that he's also Syria capable as well. Um I hope he doesn't go to Uber Eats League on. But no, besides that point, um Are we just talking about Slonina now <laughs> at this point or Yeah, we're still talking about Slonina. Uh his time with the fire, it's it's been great. It's been amazing. I know we'll we'll go further, you know, into his career, and I guess in later episodes, I'm I'm sure of it. But it, I mean, it also shows the quality of you know the fire's defense as well. But for him to have how many clean sheets at this point? Twelve. 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 Yeah. That's what I meant about the defense. Is mm-hmm. that you know they helped him a lot. They've bailed out especially early on in the season mm-hmm. they bailed out gaga a lot and they did a lot of work to help him become a great goalkeeper but he's 
he's also, you know, grown up to become a great goalkeeper. That's you know, I mean. we can't, you know, deny that from him. Um, you know, there there are a lot of defensive lapses and, you know, the previous two months or so that, you know, if, if Gaga weren't in that, then it would have been a whole different story, I think. Right. Fire exactly. could have been in the bottom of the table rotting with a... With Rooney DC, and Benteke right now, so DC United, yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think that um, the defense did such a great job at the beginning, helping him and keep the team in games. That towards the end of the season, when things have gotten you know injury prone and and rocky, that um, he has helped the defense. He's returned the favor, as it were. Um, I do. I do think though it's a shame that he's not. He's not going to see playoffs with a fire. Yeah, I am too. Um, Chris Brady is going to reap the rewards, or whoever. Did you see that? Um, Bill was it? Been oh, I was, I was, by oh. Wayne Rooney. I was going to bring that up. Was it you who said the fire should sign Bill Hamid? I didn't say they should sign him. I said they should take a look, because if if you if you read about what's happening at DC United with him, like he's overweight, not fit, that sort of stuff. So he's um, Wayne Rooney, basically. Um, I, I I don't know if you want to bring him in, but if he does not resign with DC United, uh, you got to take a look, don't you? It it would I think it would be irresponsible to not take a look. You know, I, I think he's quality, and I think Ezra can shape him up. I think our coaching staff can actually shape him up as well. Um, I've, I rate Bill Hamid. I really do. In fact, uh, in one of my, you know, whenever I do a fire run-through in Football Manager or FIFA, he's one of the first, you know, goalkeepers I sign. I honestly do rate the man. I think... Um, I think he's a top-five goalkeeper in the league. Yeah. And I, you know, his little stint in Denmark aside, you know, he's a, he's a really good player. And, you know, I actually do agree with you that, you know, the Fire should take a look at him. And I actually also do think, I, I'm going to take this a step farther, I actually do think they should sign him. We're sure if they can get him. Before the horse, because, you know, he could do something to make DC want to re-sign him and just re-sign with DC. Yeah, but you know, I, I think Rooney wants to shape his team and his image at this point. That's well, I mean, as you said, an overweight, lazy <laughs> player kind of fits his image, doesn't it? A little bit. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. At, at least towards the end. Like, yeah, I mean, gonna, joke, yeah. but he was actually really good at he he at points with DC. He was actually really good. Yeah. Uh, so, it's the beard, right? Because he he started to grow the beard he had in that Nike ad. You know the one. I'm trying to remember. You know, when when he missed the penalty, so he had to go live in a trailer. And he, you know, comes out of the trailer, opens the trailer door, and comes out with this, like, giant Santa Claus beard on. That's sort of, like, reddish. I need to see it again. I do recall what you're talking I'll, about. But... I'll send it to you offline. Um, I think it was for the 2010 World Cup. Regardless. Um, 
Yeah, it was 2010 because Tim Howard and Landon Donovan were in the ad. And uh, Landon Donovan famously did not go to the 2014 World Cup, even though he should have been on that roster. Um, One of the many reasons to hate Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, I think that's it for the show. We talked about... Oh, uh, Carlos Tehran is not playing this Saturday because he got sent off. Or he got uh, his fifth yellow, excuse me, and is out on suspension. So what the hell are the fire going to do? I don't know, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to this fire game. It's the last home game. I'm going to bring five people along with me. It's the last home game at Soldier Field. They end the season at SeatGeek against New England. Yeah, but I just want to enjoy this game, all right? I'm, I'm going to go in because usually whenever, you know, the whenever I go to Soldier Field, I still view the game in analytically. I, I really do. I, I don't have, I don't really enjoy the game itself. And I think this Saturday, I'm just going to enjoy it, whatever happens. Good. You know, I'm going to be surrounded by, you know, friends and stuff. I'm going to get some overpriced beer, especially with inflation now. That hazy pitch is probably like $50, but going to get some tacos, going to get some ice cream nachos. Just I'm just going to relax afterwards on, on Sunday. Before we do the podcast, I'll watch the game on a more critical, analytical level. But that Saturday, I'm just going to... Can it's all you vibes for me. Tell us about that experience because I also have forgotten what that's like. I haven't been to a game in, in since the pandemic started, but even like sitting in the stands when I'd go like I'd always sort of go to the home opener and stuff. Um and I do like periscope videos at halftime and post game instead of writing a report or whatever. And um, I would never, because I used to, before then, even when I was credentialed, I'd sometimes go stand in, in Section 8. Um, but uh, at when I would go to the games at SeatGeek, you know, after doing this for a while, I'd sit in the balcony because it's the best place to watch a game analytically, and I would never have any fun. So please tell me what having fun at a soccer game feels like. The last the last soccer game I've legitimately had fun in, 2017, 3-2 against the Philadelphia Union, Nikolic with that hat trick. Yeah. Well, you started with the website in 2018, so that tracks, right? <laughs> you had to all of a sudden become like an analytical soccer watcher person. Well, no, I mean, 2017, um, I, I've, I was credentialed, actually through school so i've i've been to um you know i've i've been up in the box uh press box, school so. it doesn't count that's true but y- you know um you still have fun as a as a school journalist it's it's once you they're, it's once you start no i <laughs> this is a story for another day but no yeah. um it's changed now. the the uh, The folks up there has changed. Uh, different, different. Uh, I will say though, it, it was still very stressful as as a student reporter. But no, but really, it's the the last home game I've I've legitimately enjoyed is you know, twenty seventeen. Sure. And that three two game, and then ever since then, 
like what you said, you know, just looking at these games through an analytical, analytical level, even when you're even attending the game. So, yeah. but I, I will have fun on behalf of you this Saturday. I'm going to drink for you. I'm going to have an overpriced food for you. And you know what? Like I said, it's it's just going to be pure vibes that night. And then come Sunday before our podcast, I'll, uh, watch, I'll watch the game in the morning. Can't wait for right. the return of the RJ food and beer review. I've missed it. I've missed that segment. We're going to open with it next week. So stay tuned for that. We will go on and get out of here. Uh, thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at the Hotcast. You can find me on Twitter at Ruben Tish. You can find RJ on Twitter at RGA underscore zero two next Saturday. The fire do take on Charlotte FC in their last home game at Soldier Field because uh, they were kicked out by the Bears for their final game against New England. That will be a team game. Um, so we will hopefully have some positive stuff to talk about. We can continue to evaluate this team going forward, who's playing well, who's not, that sort of thing. And maybe we'll see some kids on the field and bleed, you know, Sergio Orihel and Alex Mones into MLS for next year. Who knows? Regardless, we will see you then. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.